And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects to Pros. I am Andy Staples, and I am honored to be joined by the original Prospects to Pros duo. I don't even know if I need to be here. I might have to kind of slide my way out. But of course, Dane Brugler, the Athletics NFL Draft Guru, is here. And Lance Zerline, one of the original co-hosts of this show, you will be reading things by Lance. Lance, I think I estimate I read probably a thousand things that you write a year because I, I will read the same draft profile on NFL.com multiple times. <laughs> so I may read more of you than any other human being on Earth. Well, I appreciate it. It's... Uh... Somebody's doing it without trying to keep receipts and use them against me on Twitter, so that's nice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When you put 500, as Dane will tell you, when you put anything out, especially if it's free, like on NFL.com, people can go back. There's certain players, I'm like, God, I hope they don't find that one. I hope they don't <laughs> find that one. No one said anything yet. Uh, well, that's, a, but, that's the thing. Like, it, I mean, normal GMs, they only get graded on the six, seven, eight picks they make every year. We get graded on, you know, the. <laughs> four or 500 reports that we do. So, you know, it's, it, it's a much, uh, much tougher thing to do. I know I, I've said this before, you know, let's say we had a hit rate of, of 90%, which would be insane. Oh. Nobody in the NFL yeah. does that with a scouting board. Let's say we hit 90% and let's say the numbers 400 players were writing up. I write close to, I write 500, sometimes a little less, but let's just call it 400. If we hit 90%, that would still be 40 a year. If we did it for, and we've done it for longer than five years, you do it for five years. Now, all of a sudden, you've got 200 players that people could point to like, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. And uh, But no, Andy, the fact that you read it, it's great because I know that Dane does the same thing. When we're putting it out there, we know that it's out there and it's going to stay out there. So being as accurate as possible with um, you know I'll, I'll miss evaluations here or there but i want to be accurate on strengths and weaknesses as much as possible and i want to give the most accurate look at who the player is because i know people will be who don't follow the draft or college football from teams when their player is drafted we see our our traffic on nfl.com mm -hmm. really spikes the week of the draft because people want to find out who these guys are yeah. so we have to try to tell people who they are dane does an incredible job of of putting the personality on the page as well. I know Chad Reader does that for us at NFL.com. I do the scouting reports. And um, and it does live there for people to, you know, it's a service for people, not just boning up for the draft, but really, I think, after the draft as well. Um, so you find out, hey, who is this guy? I don't know this guy. How is he going to impact the New York Giants? How is this guy going to impact, you know, the, the Rams or whoever the case may be? And to do that, my process is different than Dane. One of the reasons I'm coming on so much later is because I wait until I get a big tape batch mm -hmm. uh, to start because I want to be able to go 
multiple games all at once in one day on a player. Like I won't even really start to put down my, my notes on quarterbacks until, um, later in the year, the end of November is when I will start in some cases in December, just because I want, I want all of who you are like, yeah. and I don't know how Dane feels about that. Cause I, I don't know that it's the most efficient way. I've got thoughts on hooker. I've got thoughts on, um, Bryce CJ. I mean, I watch football, so I've got thoughts on those guys, but I don't like developing personally a negative filter or a positive filter too early that I can't get away from yeah, when things go good or things go bad. Trying to avoid confirmation bias, which is a, a very 100%. good thing. Right. And so, well, let's talk about it. Dane has his top 50 updated coming out this week. And I saw three guys who were in this in person the other day. I was in Knoxville for Kentucky, Tennessee, which did not turn out to be the competitive game that I thought it would be. Uh, Tennessee put the clamps on, on Kentucky pretty early. But I, I want to talk about Will Levis because I, I find him very interesting. And the more this goes, the more vibes I'm getting that are similar to Daniel Jones, where this is a quarterback who physically has everything you might want, but he is unable to drag his offense to a better place at a lower level. That's what, because like, the thing that bothered me about Daniel Jones's Duke was. If this guy is a top 10 pick, why is his offense not better? This is not, uh, and, and it's it's not exactly the same thing, but like in the NBA draft, it bothers the hell out of me when the top pick didn't get his team to the NCAA tournament. Because if you're the best player in the draft, you should be able to drag your team to being like the 34th best at large team. So in, in college football, it's different because it's much more of a team game. You know, you, you can't have one player just dominate everything. But you should be able to drag your offense into a certain level of functionality if you are that person. And I'm I, not I sure I'm could, seeing that. We could say Bryce Young in that Texas game. I mean, he mm-hmm. that's what he did in the fourth quarter. Uh, you yep. know, he when, when it mattered the most, he made sure his offense put up points and uh, you know, was able to drag the offense uh, across the finish line, no doubt. And yeah, with Will Levis, it's, it's tough because... Like you said, prototypical size, uh, the mobility, the arm strength, it's it's there. And he has NFL throws on his tape. It's not like he's a complete project. But this is not – we have to also have to factor in this isn't a 21-year-old player. He's going to be a 24-year-old rookie uh, during his first training camp. That factors into this as well. Um, it, the other factors, missing his top target from last year, offensive line is different, new play caller. So there's a lot of moving parts with this Will Levis discussion. And like Daniel Jones – he will have, assuming he accepts an invite to an all-star game, he will have an opportunity to show out. And that's where Daniel Jones went from a maybe a first-rounder to being a top-ten pick at the Senior Bowl. So we'll see what Will Levis is able to do there. But right now, with what we have on film, I had a hard time putting Will Levis in my top 20. I, I just had a tough time doing it. And it's always tough when you rank quarterbacks next to a tight end. You know, like, how do you do that? Uh, because obviously one position is in terms of how much it affects the game is so much more impactful. So it's, it's really tough to do that. But with Will Levis, I just have so, so many questions there. And uh, part of one of those big questions is how much upside is there really? How much better is Will Levis going to be in terms of anticipating windows, seeing things quicker, getting the ball up, out, and gone against NFL defenses that are going to be much faster than what he's seeing at the college level. So 
Uh, he he had a tough time in that Knoxville environment. Uh, Neyland Stadium's a tough place to play. There's no doubt. So uh, I, I, I was down. I'm down on Will Levis and, and Lance. I'm eager to hear what the, you have to say about uh, Levis. Yeah, I think the problem for me is that, you know, did some lamb killing early in the year, and then he takes on Ole Miss. Um, they, they've got Mississippi State, and then, of course, this last week against Tennessee, it just didn't look as good. And he doesn't look like he has command of games as much as I would expect. Uh, it's one thing to, to, to be out-talented, but, you know, I remember watching Jay Cutler when he was at Vanderbilt, and Cutler oh, yeah. didn't have great he talent around better. him, but he elevated yeah. the talent around him. Yeah. And you could see Jay's talent stand out. Right now, I see a collection of traits, but I don't see um, I don't see the completed skill set. I, I don't see I don't see enough of the flashes against upper level competition. And that was something Jay Cutler did really well. Is Jay Jay's teams may have been overmatched, but you knew he stood out as a as a talented, athletic quarterback with arm. And there were times you said, you know, I could see him starting for the other team. At no time could you see well Will Levis starting for uh, for Tennessee ahead of Hooker. I mean, you just you couldn't see that in that game, and yet he's been talked about as being a top three to top five player for much of the year. And I know there's been a bunch of buzz on him in the offseason, as I'm sure Dane heard as well. And I'm sure you've heard that as well, Andy. I mean, there's 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 been a there was a crescendo for him, and now it's in the music world we call it a decrescendo, a decrescendo because. After this, after this Tennessee game, it's going to take a little something for for his buzz to, to go back up. But let's also we're doing this as in a podcast format, and fans will discuss it. But the fact is, a team it may not that may be a blip on the radar. The Tennessee game, if they're locked in on what he has in terms of his potential and star ability, it's hard to get away from the thought that Josh Allen had this size, this arm talent. And I'm not comparing the two, but but when you gave him better Wait, wide receivers, better pa- yeah. yeah, you gave him better mm-hmm. better receivers, better pass protection. When you made things more optimal for Josh, he got a lot better. So a lot of teams may subconsciously lean on that and say, well, we don't care how bad he looked against Tennessee. We don't care that he didn't perform up to the standards uh, that prospect pros was worried about. We, we, we just love the fact that he has traits, he has arm talent, he has size, we like his toughness, his ability to run um, out of the pocket and make things happen. And those are all check marks. Those are good. I still want to see productivity. Um, Bryce Young was bad in the Texas game for three quarters and it was great in the fourth quarter. C.J. Stroud wasn't good this last week, and yet when he needed to make throws in the fourth quarter, he made some throws. And I think that you know that's ultimately what I want to see. I want to see you rise to the occasion. Yeah, C.J. Stroud, I'm glad you brought him up. The, I, I thought he looked great at times against Penn State. The, the thing that, that worried me, and this goes back to the Michigan game last year, is there were times he did not sense pressure at all. Like, guy coming off the edge free. And it was weird because I was watching him, and then Sean Clifford would get the ball. And we, we all agree that Sean Clifford's not like a, an NFL quarterback prospect. But Penn State had basically told Sean Clifford, hey, we're going to slide protection this way. You're going to have to deal with a free rusher coming off one end and just deal with it. And he, for the most part, was doing it. Like, he, he ducked that guy, and then and then he'd go get out there and, and make a play. Now, that's a pretty rudimentary offense compared to what, what you're going to do in the NFL. But, like, with C.J. Stroud, that same guy is coming free, and sometimes he's not even seeing it. I The... In today's NFL, quarterbacks cannot be just passers. They have to be creators. 
And that, to me, is one of the reasons I am a little down on C.J. Stroud. I, when everything's in structure, I, it looks pretty. I mean, he has he's a very accurate quarterback. Uh, and, you know, it's with both these quarterbacks, you have to separate the talent around him and what he's doing. Uh, but when things fall apart, when the throw's not there, when he has to move off his spot, it's just he does not look nearly as comfortable. And in the NFL, you have to be able to make plays outside of structure and that's what worries me a little bit with C.J. Stroud. He's not a statue. He's got a little bit of mobility, but he's not nearly as comfortable uh, doing that. He has like five scrambles the entire year. Like he does not, that's not what he wants to do. He wants to be able to keep his eyes downfield, make throws, and that's commendable. But at the same time, that's just not how, I mean, you have to be under be able to understand what is the best route to take, whether it's with my legs, with my arm, um, and part of that is pre-snap. Part of that is in the moment. Um, and, and so with Stroud, I still think he's a top 10 pick. I think he's going to be an NFL starter. But I think that there are quest- enough questions there for me that make me worry, okay, is this going to be Jared Goff? You know, a guy, who, pretty good quarterback. But, you know, when, th- when the heat's on, when the pressure's bearing down on him, that's where some of the things get exposed and you start to really worry about it. Yeah, um, I'm with you on on Stroud. I mean, I see some, you know, obviously there, there's some things, the way he can deliver a deep ball, some of the touch throws he makes. Um, it, it's funny, he got a lot better from the Notre Dame game. There was a lot of mistakes, a lot of sticking on wide receiver ones and not recognizing coverage and immediately getting um, to, to different reads in, in, in his progression. I think he got. I think he's gotten better at that as the season's gone on, a little bit more consistent. He'll throw with some anticipation uh, between – you know, but between the hashes, I like seeing that. There are things I like, but exactly what you pinpointed, Dane, is my biggest concern. And, and you pinpointed this too, Andy. This has been a problem for me. Zone read stuff that they ran with him, there was never a threat that he was going to pull and run. And, and, and you, he's got a front side wide open that he could run forever. And he just, he just has never really been interested in beating people with his feet. And that's part of the NFL today. If you've got it is being able to do it. And he's not this super athlete. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say that's who he is, but it does bother me that outside of structure, he doesn't, I think that's the biggest when you want to compare Bryce. Okay, not as big, but when you compare Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, for me, the problem with backing C.J. Stroud it really breaks down when you look at the ability outside structure to make to extend plays and make big plays happen. And Bryce Young coming off the injury was incredible against Tennessee. Time and time again, he made plays uh, with his feet, gave himself more time, and found um, and, and and found throws to make to to move the chains. And I think that's the biggest problem is if things aren't right for him across the board in the NFL for C.J. Stroud. I mean, he's got Marvin Harrison running free, Marvin Harrison Jr. running free a lot. And those are easy throws. Those are fun and gun throws, like with when Spurrier had wide open wide receivers, and everyone kind of got fooled by that. But um, Bryce Young just is on a different level when it comes to making plays outside of structure. And, and C.J. Stroud's kind of a heavy foot guy who doesn't have great pocket feel. And, and, you're, and you're right, uh, Clifford did show some pocket feel. He did show some, some – I think pocket awareness is something you have or you don't have. Right. And it's not something that I think is a big strength for Stroud. doesn't mean you can't be successful, but it does mean that – 
on the next level, you want things to be a certain way. You you can't just go into a game. Look, as much as I don't think Kyler Murray's been a very good NFL quarterback in terms of ec- what expectations are, you already know if things go sideways, he can get yeah. it, get himself Kyler out ain't of taking it. a big hit. There's no, no way in hell no. Kyler's taking a big hit. He, no. he has that spidey sense that'll go off and he's gone. Yeah, but but I mean he's a totally different quarterback than yeah. you know than than yeah. Stroud and and really frankly even Bryce Young to an extent. Are mm-hmm. you Dane? Are you ever surprised that Bryce? For me, Bryce Young, who who I like a lot, and I know he's not big, but Bryce sometimes is another one of these quarterbacks who looks like sometimes he gets a little too comfortable with it going off schedule, like like kind of almost mm-hmm. hoping it, it goes off schedule. But what the mm-hmm. what the big problem I have with him is that he's got opportunities to run and he's he's hesitant to take them and he doesn't sprint full speed. He's kind of a three quarter runner. Um, he doesn't take off when he sees it. And I get wanting to have the discipline to stay in the pocket, but there are times where it breaks down to, Hey, go make a big play, go make an explosive play. And I think sometimes he's hesitant to go take off and run. I don't know if you see the same thing because this is now the second year in a row that I'm like, man, go, go, go and go a hundred percent. He, he is so good at, you know, just understanding everything going on around him that I think he just trusts that uh, and sometimes to a fault. But, you know, he knows like it, it, his internal clock is remarkable. His yeah. vision to see everything going on around him is is outstanding. So even though he does and he'll have take a hit, in front too. Of him, he'll stand in and take a hit yeah, well, to deliver a pass. And, and that, that's, that's if he needs that's what to. we're worried about. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, the, the toughness. Absolutely. There's no question about the toughness, but yeah, he needs to protect himself better. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's it, it, these little subtle moves. Uh, it, it's very crafty. It, he's very crafty, uh, behind the line of scrimmage, uh, in terms of buying every second possible to go make a play. And that's part of what you love about him. The instincts are off the charts. And so it, it's, it, and really that's why he is my top quarterback in this draft. And I, I think we're going to, we're going to hear this a lot. If Bryce Young were a little bit bigger he'd be the clear top quarterback. We're going to hear that a lot the next six months. Well, I mean, I think if you could just get by the fact that he is an outlier in terms of size, you're going to be on board with him being the top quarterback with everything that he has to offer from the accuracy, the touch, the intangibles, uh, like I said, the instincts, the vision. So he's my number, on my top 50, he's my number three player overall, uh, the top quarterback. And I, you know, it's it's the size of something you worry about from a durability factor. But uh, I'm gonna take my chances. I'm gonna go with the guy that can process, the guy with the poise, uh, the guy that has shown me he's got a little bit of that magic more so uh, than the guys that haven't shown me that as much. Where did you end up with um, Hinden Hooker? I've got him in the forties. Yeah, I wanted to get him on there. I think he belongs in the top 50 with the way he's played this year. Um, it's just, it, it's the offense. It's tough. Uh, half field reads, very quarterback friendly. Um, another guy, you know, just like we talk about with Stroud, having uh, the best receiver in America and Marvin Harrison, uh, you know, Tennessee's got a deep, deep wide receiver depth chart, and he benefits from that. So well, it sounds like uh, you're you describing know. Ohio State quarterbacks. A lot of good wide yeah. receivers, half field reads, offense that benefits them like, isn't that Justin Fields? Isn't that going to be C.J. Stroud? Isn't that going to be Ohio State quarterbacks? I, I think that Ohio State would do a little more because you look at that Tennessee with the you know the wide splits and uh, stretching out the defense. I mean, I, I think that Ohio State will do a little more full. Re- I mean, based off of pre-snap reads, he knows where he's going. 
but he he can use the whole field. I think we've seen that in Ohio State tape. Whereas with Tennessee tape, with this offense, it, it, it really is half, only strictly half field, and it just it, it does make it tough uh, to know. Okay, when he's going to be in a more NFL style offense, which obviously NFL style offense means something completely different than it did ten years ago. But you can only fudge it, uh, you know, only so much in the NFL, com- you know, to make him comfortable with what he did in college. So there is a big projection there with Hendon Hooker. Um, and so I like him. I think there's a lot of things that he does that reminds me of Geno Smith when he was coming out of college, which, you know, a year ago, that would seem like a negative. But the way Geno Smith's playing this mm-hmm. year, uh, <laughs> that's, that's you know, it should be looked at as a, yeah, it should be a positive. So Hendon Hooker is a, a really talented player, deserves a ton of credit for what he's done. Uh, 19 starts for Tennessee the last two years. He's been responsible for 59 touchdowns, three interceptions. Remarkable. So deserves credit for that, but uh, still, there are plenty of questions for his NFL transition. Where where'd you land on Hooker, Lance? I like him now. I have not taken a look at the you know full on all 22 and studied him in depth. So like I said, I want to wait until I get more of the tape. But I watched him some this summer because I was talking to Cole Kubelik from SEC Network about some of these guys, and we were kind of talking about finding the next quarterback, like who's going to be the next guy that comes out of nowhere. It was Kyler. It was, to an extent, Baker Mayfield. I mean, they became first picks of the draft. Jared Goff was like that with, you know, Carson Wentz also shooting up. Joe Burrow. This is happening literally every year now, and other than Trevor Lawrence. And so I was trying to find who could be that next guy. So I want to find size. I want to find some arm talent. I want to find some mobility. And Hooker was a guy, and then I had the touchdown-interception ratio that was very, very favorable. So these are all big check marks. So I turned on the tape and watched, and I saw some things I liked. And I think he's clearly gotten better this year. He does have – man, Hyatt is playing just tremendous football. The game he had against yeah. Alabama was unbelievable. But I think Hooker is getting better, and I, I and I think people are a little bit low on him. I think he's going to shoot – up the board. I noticed there hasn't been a lot of buy-in yet, and maybe when I watch the tape, it'll be different. But I think when you see guys who tend to take care of the football, which I, I do believe he takes care of the football, I think that's part of who he is and not just his offense. When you see somebody who has the toughness as a runner, but also the elusiveness and burst as a runner outside of the pocket, um, I see a lot of physical tools that I like with Hooker. And, and, and most importantly, like I said, taking care of the football Man, I do not want to underrate that because I think that's really important. Andy, you saw him in person. What did you think of the body type? The body type I thought of when I first saw him and saw the run pass opportunities that he had and and what he was able to do. And once again, this is not a comparison of players because I know everyone's going to slam this, but it was very reminiscent of EJ Manuel coming out of Florida State where it's like, dude, he's got similar size. He's kind of an angular body type, could run, has a – has a plus arm. I think he's going to be a better player, obviously, than yeah. EJ Manuel. But I feel like on, I feel like on TV, he's got the size that that, that I want him to have. He, he's a much better runner than Manuel. Uh, and I'll say, when I went up there this past spring and met him in person for the first time, I was shocked at his size. I did not expect him to be that big. I, I remember coming out of high school, they listed him like six three, six four, and and two maybe two ten, two fifteen. He is, I know Lance, or, or sorry, Dane, you have a measurement on him at like six, four and a half. I'm sorry. He, I was, uh, he's six, five. He's gotta be like, I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't measure six, five at the combine because from the, I, from the spring scouts yeah. have six, oh, six, oh, three, three, two twenty one. So he's tall. And I know he's wearing cleats the other night when I was standing near him, but he's, yeah. he feels bigger than that. And he is, uh, he, he moves very well. 
Now, I do wonder with the draft, like how much do they go back to his time at Virginia Tech and say, well, this doesn't match this, and then try yeah. to reconcile those two things. I think the way that, that Justin Fuente's career unfolded at Virginia Tech, that this was the coach who had Hendon Hooker there. Once Hendon Hooker left, I, I do think that'll help kind of solve those issues. And, you know, people go, okay, Hendon, Hendon probably getting a fair shake now. So I want to ask you guys about Jalen Hyatt, though, because, hmm. Dane, I don't think this is a guy who would have been on your top 50 at the beginning of the season. Uh, no. Very much so now. I did a big story on him last week. It was very interesting talking to him because he'll be the first to tell you that he was not the player that he should be this time last year. He was, uh, I don't know if soft is is the word for it, but he did not enjoy the hand-to-hand combat that comes with, with press coverage. Uh, he was not working the way that a player of that level needs to work. And by his account, by his parents' account, by everybody I talked to at Tennessee teammates, coaches, that's completely changed. That completely changed this offseason. He came back essentially as a different person. And it's been amazing to watch the numbers. The numbers seem like video game numbers. So I'm, I'm curious for from you guys, what is he doing that makes him so difficult to cover? Well, it helps when Kentucky just decides not to cover him. So that's that's they put a linebacker on him in the first I, I mean, series. You a know what's coming. You know what he is runs coming. a four three. I, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I mean, but look, there are two things that stand out with Jalen Hyatt. First is the speed. I mean, he's going to run in probably the four two nine, the four three four range, somewhere in there. I mean, the guy is has blazing speed, and then. The, the hands. I mean, he does not rely on his body to make these catches. He is using his hands. He trusts his hands, tracks the ball incredibly well. So when you have those two things, that's a good place to start. You know, there, he's still raw in, in several areas of the position, especially as an underneath receiver. But when you have those two things, speed and hands, okay, I can work with that. And, I, and Lance, I'll be interested to hear because, you know, you're very familiar with, uh, you know, Will Fuller from his time in Houston uh, I think I there's, of, yeah. there are some parallels there with a guy with speed. Now I think, you know, Will Fuller had, you know, there's some questions about some drops when he was coming out of Notre Dame. I think Hyatt's better in that respect, but mm-hmm. I do think that there are some similarities, uh, with these two players as maybe not being complete receivers, but they could take the top off. They could be an absolute weapon because of that speed. I think there's a lot of similarities. I mean, body type wise, um, the ability, you know, the, the speed, as you mentioned, he got – Will Fuller actually got better with the Texans with his hands. He got better as a as a, as a receiver with those hands. The problem is he's just so oft injured that that's going to, you know, derail his career basically. But Jalen Hyatt has similar speed, um, and he's smooth when he – just like Will Fuller. Man, Will Fuller was past you. You didn't realize it because he was such a smooth strider. Hyatt is the same way, and Hyatt made – Alabama corners look very, very slow. I mean, he was really blazing in that one. Um, five touchdowns. I mean, that's that's insane against against a Nick Saban team. And when it's happening, there's nothing Alabama could do about it. There were no adjustments. They just were physically outmatched by his size. And as you mentioned, Dane, his ability to uh, uh, to catch the ball. I think you know he's not going to be a guy that wins a ton of contested catches. So. You want to have him. You you want to get him on the move and getting those legs stretched out. But I think he can get in and out of breaks. I don't think he's limited as a route runner. Um, 
and it's always interesting because he's got 14 touchdowns right now. He's a guy who didn't have, you know, we're talking about somebody who had 226 yards last year and 276 yards the the, the season before. He was, he was, you know, Tillman was going to be the, the big-time wide receiver, and Hyatt was just kind of another guy who was a wide receiver in that core. Now Hyatt has got all the love, and Tillman is going to get his love. I mean, he's got the traits. Well, he's but, he's been hurt. That's Yeah, that's I mean, he's been reason. hurt the whole year. He, he, was, so he, it's, he was on a pitch count against Tennessee. But interestingly enough, if you watch what they did that first series, they stacked Tillman and Hyatt three plays in a row. They're beating Georgia something this different week. every time. They're going to beat Georgia this week. Hot take right there. Yeah, it's hot take right here coming in, and we'll find out how spicy. But I just think with Tillman back now um, and with what Hyatt brings to the table and and Hooker's ability to – you know, to throw the ball or run the football as well. This isn't the same Georgia defense and Georgia team we've seen in the past. It can't be. It can't be. A, they lost. A, they lost a ton yeah. of starters. B, they just lost uh, Nolan Smith, an outstanding edge player, and Nolan yeah. Smith. And I, I feel like I'm not sure Georgia's offense is going to be able to take advantage of some of Tennessee's um, weaknesses. So I know we're not doing a college football podcast. No, per no. Se. I, but I'm this glad. is one of these hot runs like Joe Burrow had yep. in the LSU team, and there's some similarities here. And I'm just telling you, I think it's going to be a team of destiny type thing with Tennessee. You, you've got you've got me very interested now, and and I'm glad you brought this up because I do want to talk about this game, and I talk, want to talk about a player who is on Dane's list, and I was very happy to see him so high on Dane's list. I was, I was surprised watching, to see it. I, w- I was watching him Saturday, and going. This guy's going to be better in the NFL than he is at Georgia. You tweeted Darnell. that, didn't you? I, did you did tweet I? that or no? Maybe you did. I told I told a lot of people that. I know is I it number said two it. on the list? No, no, no. Uh, Jalen Carter, I know, is going to be great. I, yeah, yeah. I, listen, I'm from Orlando. He's an Apopka blue darter. I know. I know all about <laughs> Jalen Carter. No, I'm t- I'm talking about on offense. I'm talking about Darnell Washington. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He Zero. is. He is man. I, I I've never really seen anybody like him. He is. The leanest 275 pounder I've ever seen. It's it's yeah, remarkable. He's a monster. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, and he is such and, a weapon in the as a blocker. I mean, he doesn't get nearly the credit. Uh, it, what he, I mean, he is moving guys. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a defensive end, you're a linebacker. You do not want to see number zero coming at you. Uh, but and you know, like this guy doesn't even have a touchdown uh, this year. But he still made my top 25 because of just the natural ability and you see him as a budding uh, pass catcher. I mean, he, he'll have a few drops here or there, but for the most part, he is, it doesn't matter. You just kind of throw it up to him and he finds a way to come down with it. So he just, he, just, just put him at the sticks on third and six and yeah. let him box people out. Well, and, and he has a little bit of juice after the catch too. Like he is not an easy guy to just bring down. He's not just a, a possession guy. Oh, there, there's a play in the Florida game where he basically Over the middle, drags yeah. people for, yeah. So, Over the middle of the field, yeah. What, he'll be so like It's like watching Jelani Woods last year when he got hot with that size. Yeah. And only it, I think that except this Except like is, 130% much, percent size. It's like when you're printing and it's like how exactly. what, yeah. what aspect ratio. And a, better, and, and a better blocker. And that's something that stands out with Georgia. They do a great job of getting buy-in from their blockers. I mean yeah. – John Fitzpatrick was one of my favorite tight ends. I mean, that's when you do enough players, you do geeky stuff like get excited about fourth tight ends on Georgia. But I was he got drafted. A, 
Yeah, he got drafted because he's yeah. a dog. That's how come. Because yeah. he's a dog as a runner, and he was wearing Auburn out. Uh, and it was a big part of when we looked at Georgia for the Joe Moore Awards for the best offensive line. I just kept saying, guys, this '84 is nasty. And then I was like, wait a minute, this zero's nasty. Wait a minute, Brock will get after it if he needs yeah. to. Georgia coaches their guys up to uh, to to be a, a plus in the run game, and I think that's one of the things that's really going to stand out for Washington is his ability to. You know, for me, it's going to be that's the first check mark he gets. And I think you mentioned it, Dane. The second check mark he's going to get is going to be that he is going to um, eventually become a bigger factor from a pass catching standpoint. NFL teams will see the, the potential there. Yeah. And well, it's, the it's just like not now is 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 Brock Bowers is yeah, so exactly good. Right. It's, it's just like, you know, last year when, okay, well, why isn't Jordan Davis playing more snaps? Why isn't, uh, it, you know, all these all these guys, because they rotate in and out so much. Well, it's the same thing on offense. They don't have to, you know, it's not like Notre Dame, which their whole offense is find 87, throw them the ball. Uh, they don't have to do that with, uh, with, with number zero. So, I mean, coming into the year, Darnell Washington was my fourth tight end uh, in my tight end rankings over the summer. So a guy we knew about, but I don't think we knew just how good he was and how, how, how much better we think he could be. So, uh, you know, as I'm stacking my top 50 and I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, it's just, I want to get these guys here. These, and with Washington, I, I he's got to be in there in the top 25 with the impact that he's made. I like that you have a couple of combo tight ends too. I mean, he's a better blocker than mayor to me in terms of yeah. you want to go paying on paint, then he's going to be the guy. Mayor's an interesting player to watch because his ability to, you know, shake tacklers off. He's a physical finisher after the catch. Mm -hmm. um, he's not this, you know, electric route runner. Um, he's not really a dog in a run game, although he can position you. He's smart and disciplined yeah. in terms of as a move blocker, being able to, if you want to go way wide, he's not going to chase you. He's just going to make sure that he cuts inside of you and, and has enough room for his running back to get there. But it's, it's, it's kind of fun to see these two tight ends with these, with this, size and the ability to play in line is your top two with the with the way the league has gone to pass catching i think more and more teams now are saying wait a minute if we can get a combination tight end and a dual threat guy that we can play from the slot in mayor's case out wide in some matchup stuff at least what notre dame will do with them but then you know it's the old i, I watched gary kubiak's offenses for years here in houston and of course my, kyle shanahan does some of the same things if you can find two tight ends who are willing to block and can be a factor in the pat as pass catchers. It makes you so much more difficult to match up against, and I think that's why these two tight ends are really going to have value for NFL teams. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Call one eight hundred Directv. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. 
showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is, doing what you need to do, carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Maze. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Dane, let's talk about some of the guys on this list that maybe the people who are hardcore college football fans even don't even know. You, you've got mm-hmm. some some FCS guys, including one of our favorites. We've been trading <laughs> mugshots of this guy for several months. Can, can yeah. you tell the folks about about Cody from North Dakota State? Yeah, Cody Mock. Uh, I mean, this guy, uh, yeah, he misses his two front teeth. Uh, he's got this long, flowing red hair. I mean, he looks like... Paul Bunyan, uh, who the, the, the hockey player, uh, he is a lot of fun. And, you know, it, the background's great on this guy. He was a former walk-on as a tight end. He's a farm guy, farm boy. You know, he, you know, he's come from a big say. family from North Dakota. Uh, they put weight on him. He moves the offensive line, which he had never played before. And now he's this really athletic left tackle, and uh, there's a lot to like there. I don't know if he's going to stay at left tackle or tackle in general. Uh, he's not the longest player, and because of that North Dakota State offense, it's really tough to fully judge him in, in pass protection situations. You know, once we get uh, see him at an All Star game, that'll be uh, a big evaluation point. But he's going to be a, a pro, and he's going to be a starter, whether it's at guard or tackle. He's so much fun to watch. He's really athletic. The way he maneuvers, the body control is really impressive. Um, really smart player, tough. Uh, he's just he's. I had to get him in there, and so yeah, he he made my top fifty, and I like him a lot more. I mean, think of some of the North Dakota State guys, the offensive linemen that have come in in recent years, like uh, Dylan Radunes. Uh, a couple years ago, he went I think like fifty two, fifty three. I like him a lot more than I like Dylan Radunes uh, coming out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this this is yeah. this is a good player. And keep in mind, you know, Andy, we're seeing this every year now. These F, these uh, FCS schools, um, you'll see a Northern Iowa. So, Northern Iowa produced two starting tackles. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of those guys gained about a hundred pounds while they were at Northern Iowa. And Spencer Brown and and um, Trevor uh, Penning from last year, Trevor Penning. Then you look at Central Michigan, who had to uh, who had two tackles who were former tight ends who you know you had drafted inside of the first inside of the top 100 I mean these are these are all guys who are smaller but they gain weight they get bigger they either transition from tight end or they're just smaller players at FCS says you know they've got guys who can eyeball it I guess and say we think he can put more weight on the frame 
You know, it's interesting because these are the type of players now that we're seeing more and more success with. We're not seeing as much growth from some of these five-star type of, 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 of tackles at some of these off, some of these major power five programs. And yet we're seeing more and more of these smaller school tackles come up and make a difference. And a lot of these guys are tight end transitions. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of, are you tough enough? And do you have the size to take on, well, you know, you the weight be, and the strength you need? Yeah. You have to be an elite athlete to play tackle in the NFL. And, and that's what I, I don't think the average fan understands when I say like, they are the probably the best athletes in the league. If we're really breaking it down and Who's one of the best of them? Lane Johnson. What did Lane Johnson play in high school? Quarterback. Mm -hmm. Taken, you know, taken at Oklahoma as a tight end, put a ton of weight on, and became a super athletic left tackle. Jason like, Peters. I don't like <laughs> Jason Peters was a tight end at Arkansas, but not really, though. Right. Like he was just a super tackle. You know, he was like a 300 pound tight end at Arkansas. So that I guess that really doesn't count. I shouldn't even bring him up. Well, I, look, yeah, coming into the year, I, I really thought offensive tackle was going to be a weak spot in this draft. Uh, it just, you know, there weren't a lot of guys to get excited about, especially if you think Skronsky's a guard, Peter Skronsky from Northwestern. But I tell you what, I, I feel completely different now, uh, two months into the season. Uh, first, Peter Skronsky, I'm keeping him at tackle. I'm going to give him a shot. I, yes, he's a complete outlier in terms of the arm length. He's going to be probably under 32 and a half inch arms. That's that's Ooh. that's that's tough to overcome. I know, I know, Lance, I know. But force lamp stuff right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he would. He's a complete outlier, but he's so smart. His pass sets are so quick. He's so he's so good that I think he can overcome it. He's now, a fluid athlete. Yeah, very worse. We're talking about a guy that'll take the Zach Martin route, go inside, and be a a dang good offensive guard for a long time. Mm -hmm. But uh, along with Skaronsky, I'm looking at a bunch of these tackles that have shown big-time improvement. Uh, the Penn State-Ohio State game on Saturday, if you want an offensive tackle, that was the game to watch. Olu Fashanu from Penn State, the biggest riser on this top 50. Didn't make my initial top 50. He had one start to his name coming into the year. Uh, and this guy is so good for a 19-year-old. His body control, his understanding of angles, his hands... Uh, the core strength uh, for someone that's so young and that just doesn't have the experience for him to play at such a high level. I mean, Ohio State, they got him maybe once or twice, but it was it was a, a win for for uh, for Olu. So uh, he is a top five player on my top 50, which I did not think uh, was going to be the case coming into the year. But he has played like he has earned that high ranking. So with Fashanu and then both of Ohio State's tackles, you know, we knew about Paris Johnson coming in. We knew he was, you know, making that transition from right guard to left tackle. Uh, he, there was a good chance he was going to be a top 20 pick. He has more than lived up to it. Uh, zero penalties this year, zero sacks allowed. But then the right tackle, the Juan Jones uh, for the Buckeyes. This guy is the so... The largest human in the Oh, draft. my gosh. I, I mean, we, we thought that the Minnesota kid last year was big. This guy uh, is just as big and probably See, bigger. He's big as Falele? He he okay. He he's is uh, six eight and a half, three hundred and seventy pounds. He's got eighty nine and an eighth wing, thirty six and an eighth. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. It's 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 crazy. Eighty nine. He's NBA over eighty nine. Thirty six and an eighth. Well, he wanted to be in the NBA. That that's the thing with Dewan Jones is you watch his junior tape, and yeah, once he gets his hands on you, yeah, he, he's gonna maul you and do what he wants. 
But versus, you know, wide nine rushers that are getting him in space, that's where he's obviously struggled. This year, when he's facing that wide speed, he looks so so much more so, uh, so much more balanced. The coordination, the patience, the strike timing. It's it's this is a guy that wanted to be in the NBA who's fully buying in that hey, football is what I need to be focusing everything on. And we have to remember too, he's 20 he just turned 21 years old. He is a senior, but he just turned 21 years old. So this is a young player and after watching now I think seeing him against throughout the rest of the year against Michigan and maybe some better opponents that'll give us uh, a better sense for just where his draft grade should be but uh, I I mean I couldn't do a top 50 and not include him with the way he has played this year so Lance yeah Dane has uh has had some guys that that rose fast I know you haven't got a chance to break down the tape yet but who this season was not on your radar who now you are very, very excited to dig into the tape on. Well, I mean, you you mentioned them in Jalen Hyatt. I mean, Hyatt is the guy that for me was was that guy. That was a guy that I was really, really excited about. Uh, flip side of that would be Butte in terms of a guy who's disappointed me. Keshawn Butte at LSU. Yeah, it was not your it was not your question, but um, oh, that's my next question I, for, I would for also Dane. Say so there Qu- you go, Quentin Johnston from from TCU. Ooh, Boy, yeah. he has yeah. really played well and. I've seen him have some big games and some big moments. The Big 12, yeah, I understand it's that Oklahoma's a little bit down in Texas. When you think Texas is back, folks, they're not back. Um, that's just the worst thing that could have come out because it's used against them all the time. But um, watching TCU play and Max Dugan is, is kind of putting mm-hmm. things together and watching Johnston get loose, he's been a guy that's really I'm, – I'm fascinated about – when I sit down and watch all of his targets, uh, when it's time to write him up, that's the guy I'm really excited about because he has really popped at different times during this season, especially in that Oklahoma State game. So um, I'm I'm excited to to sit down and watch him. He's a guy and Jalen Hyatt, two guys for me that were really excited. I'm just gonna circle back for a second. Yeah. I'm not all the way there on the Ohio State tackles for me, Dane. I and you know we studied Ohio State a lot because of um, the Joe Moore awards. I yeah. think there's a lot of work to do for for Paris, a lot of technique stuff that needs oh, yeah. to get cleaned up. And I'd say the same thing for for um the Penn State the Penn State kid. You know, I, I watched him yesterday. I saw he was on your list, so I took a look at him uh yesterday and a little bit more this morning. And it makes sense that he's 19 years old because you can see mm-hmm. that here's the three things that stand out. He's a high cut guy with long legs. So sometimes those guys can have some balance issues at time. And it doesn't mean they're they don't have body control. It just means they have to learn to play on those longer legs. So for a 19-year-old, that really makes sense because he'll grow into his frame and grow into his base. But he's a double underhook puncher, so it kind of shortens up his arms. Um, it, it, it makes him a shorter arm player when you use the double underhooks. But he's efficient with his hands. He doesn't seem to get pushed because he has a good core strength, as Dane mentioned. When people get into him first, it's not uh, the end of the road for him. They don't run him back into the quarterback. And I like the fact that he takes – he punches in straight lines. Like, he's got a very efficient usage of hands. So, for a 19-year-old, I think that's great. He's got a great core. As Dane mentioned, a natural uh, natural base to work with. Um, I do think that 
that uh, the Northwestern player for me is is clearly the most game ready. I mean, there's no question yeah. for me about that. And he's another guy who who plays longer. I was surprised to hear the arm length on him because I haven't looked into it yet. But he plays longer than that the same way Rashawn Slater did, who's still a tackle, by the way. But he mm -hmm. was not – you know, he's sub-33 yards, which is still kind of rare. He was 30, but, 33 on the dot. Oh, was he 33? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think his spring numbers that I saw were like – 33 and seven eights or 33 and five eights, but okay. So he was 33. Yeah. At, at combine, um, yeah. still not optimal, but it never seemed to be a factor when I watched tape. So I wasn't really that worried about it. Um, sub 32 is going to be a problem for a lot of offensive line coaches, but I just yeah. want to find guys who can block. Like, I just want to find guys who can get players blocked. He's a fluid athlete, moves well, redirects, mirrors inside moves hands are sticky gets a little wide with his hands in a run game a little bit but um i was i was a fan of watching him i'm really excited to see how the offensive line um how that breaks out this year there's a lot of talk about quarterbacks but i'm not quite as hyped on the quarterback crop as i was maybe four weeks ago five weeks ago i think there's starting to be some separation of some players um but I do think it's always a good thing for those of us in the draft spaces when there's five to six quarterbacks that could potentially be future starters who are making some noise. All right, and, and Hinton Hooker is, is another guy, Andy. I mean, Hooker yeah, obviously yeah. is the guy at the, at the most important position that I'm really, really intrigued to finish my studies on because, I mean, those are difference makers, quarterbacks. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So, Dane, who, who did you feel certain would be on this list who, when you put it together, you realize, okay, they're not making the top 50 right now? Um, Noah Sewell, the Oregon linebacker. Interesting. Um, okay. You know, I if I'm drafting a top or off-ball linebacker in the top 50, uh, you know, I need a playmaker, and he just hasn't been a playmaker this year. Uh, and you know, I, I think you know there are times where uh, 
Uh, he is, especially when he drops, you know, zone drops, he's not anticipating where the routes are. He's, he's not making some of these plays that you would expect him to make. Uh, more open field misses than uh, I expected. Uh, it just he, he has inconsistent breakdown versus elusive athletes. So more, there are too many quote unquote almost tackles. Uh, you know, he's overrunning the target or just just not breaking down. So you know, he, he does a nice job as a blitzer, but not always consistent as a backfield finisher. So you know, there, there's things to like. He's powerfully built. You know, he can create knockback at contact. Uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a good athlete, but I just, I don't know. I did not see a, a playmaker off of this year's tape. And again, if I'm going to draft a linebacker that high, I need a playmaker. So he did not make it. Um, who else was there? I think that, that might be the only one that really surprised me. Gervon Dexter, uh, the defensive tackle from yeah. Florida. You know, I, I thought, you know, you see it in flashes. Uh, the guy can be, he, you know. He's top 100, but I can't imagine. He's top 100 because of the physical traits. But I, yeah. t- top 50 requires some performance, and it hasn't you, really. You take his come. five best plays, you, oh, this is the next Chris Jones. You know, like, it, it gets you excited. But then you yeah. take the full body of work, and you're like, eh, I don't know. It's it, it, That's tough. So, uh, yeah, I had to leave him off. You know, and there were a couple close calls. You know, I didn't know, you know, like uh, Keishon Butte from LSU, who, who Lance brought up. Yep. That 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 was, I don't know what to do with him. I, he is, in, in five years, he could be an NFL starter pushing for pro, pro Bowls, or he could be sitting at home out of the league. Neither would surprise me. He has the talent. There's there's no doubt, but, you know, there's there way too many focus drops on his tape. He might be a slot-only guy. Uh, that's That's where he does his best work. Um, so, you know, Keishon Butte is really tough to figure out. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Andre Carter from Army, uh, you know, he's going to be Army's first top 75 pick since like 1947. Uh, you know, he's, he, he's shown a lot of promise as a, as a pass rusher, but this year, uh, the production's not nearly what it's been. And it's, he's, he's got to figure out how to handle multiple blockers. You know, he has to figure out, okay, defenses or offenses know who I am. They're going to game plan to stop me. And he can't really, uh, he hasn't figured out how to combat that just yet. And so that's something to, to watch, uh, with Andre Carter. Uh, and he, he's missed a few games as well this year. So gentlemen, you're going to get to see Kayshawn Boutte against the Alabama secondary on Saturday. That should be very yeah. educational and informative. But Lance has already given us the pick of the year. He's taken he's taking the balls. Now I like him as, over the I mean, I had him over on my radio show. I had him over Alabama. They were like a nine and a half point dog at home, which yep. to me was insane. Yeah. And I think this number is very I, I think the, the the bookmakers have this number about where it should be. I just well, think they, they, they opened strength. at eleven point five, but as we are recording this, it's wow. it's dropped to eight point five. Yeah. That's yeah. where I saw it at. 11.5 is is too high for me. I just think strengths on strengths, weakness on weakness, and I can't get that LSU trajectory of, you know, slow buy-in on Joe Burrow, slow buy-in on LSU, and all of a sudden, before you know it, it's like, oh, my gosh, they're, you know, they're beating Alabama in Alabama, and you realize, oh, wait a minute, this is a real thing. I need to start there, there are, there taking are this seriously. There are no actual answers against this offense, and that's – we'll find out this week because – that's what they made Alabama look like. If Georgia can't find answers to this offense, guess what? Nobody will. Because I don't think they well, can score with them the same way. It, it is funny that uh, Tennessee scored 44 against Kentucky and their points per game actually dropped uh, this <laughs> year. So that, that tells you a lot right there. A- Andy, I, I want to hear from you. I'm looking at this top 50. Yeah. 
what were the surprises yep. for you? What you know, we've been talking about these guys the last two months. Uh, you know, it, you've got obviously, you know, you're watching these guys very closely. Did you have any surprises or any 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 of the rankings, any of the names uh, surprise you? I you you have two backs in your top twenty one, mm. which yeah. I but I'm okay with that. Uh, you Are you know, going to go normally, analytics Twitter on us? No, it's I I understand. Look, here's my thing about running backs and drafting them and all that. If you have a special back, draft him high. Just don't don't pay him a second contract yeah. because. They are literally going through a car crash every play. It's <laughs> physically that's what's happening to them. Such a failure rate to it, it, draft exactly. high and then pay second contract. But I look at the the skill sets of Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, and I'm like, yep, do it, do it, because you can do so many things with these guys. You're seeing Travis yeah. Etienne's success in Jacksonville. Uh, he may be the the better player they drafted out of Clemson in the first round in that draft. Mm -hmm. And you got five, and you know what? You got five years with them. Now you got five years and the ability to franchise, which is, I don't think it's talked about enough. You know, I understand the analytics set when they say don't draft. Typically I'm with them until after, unless you have two picks in the first round, which, which Jacksonville had, as you mentioned, Andy. But the other thing that, that people have to remember is if there's a team that, that could use an explosive playmaker at running back, when you draft them in the first round, you have five years of club control. Then you have franchise potential for two straight years. Right. Seven years is all you want most running backs in. Anyway. No, yeah, That's you're done with that. And, and really, I think you're done after five in most cases. In many cases, yeah. yeah. Zeke was so, that case. Yeah, exactly. No one told exactly. Jerry, though. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that, and that's you fall in love. It's like it, when, when your owner is an actual fantasy owner in real life, it's a fantasy owner who has billions of dollars. That that's you're you're bound to run into these things. One one thing I think is exciting for a particular league, and Lance, you're in Texas, so you you, you see this a lot. You got Apuica at, at number forty one. He's the the nose from Baylor. Mm-hmm. Interior defensive linemen from the Big Twelve do not get drafted very high, uh, and and it's been it's be, it's actually become a problem and almost a self fulfilling prophecy where it's hard to recruit those guys to Big Twelve schools because people are like, oh. They're not, you know, they're going to be playing against these catch and throw offenses, which they're not anymore. The league's actually become more offensively diverse, mm-hmm. but Ika originally an LSU player. Dave Aranda leaves LSU, goes to Baylor. Ika stays at LSU, doesn't like the new, new defensive administration under Bo Pelini and then goes to Baylor. And I, I just like the fact that he's showing you can be a dominant interior defensive lineman in the big 12. It is possible uh, I think Ross Blacklock as a second rounder in 2020 was the last mm-hmm. decently high interior D lineman in the Big 12. Like, I, I I think that's great for the league. I think that's very helpful. And also, he's just really fun to watch play. Yeah, you have to um, – you know, the Big 12 has gone through, as you mentioned, Andy. I mean, if you don't update your 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 preconceived notions of a conference every three years, you could get left behind in college yeah. football. Cause it's really changed. The SEC I mean, is more like what the SEC most people the Big think 12. of as the big 12. Yeah. The, the SEC is big 12, eight years ago. Yep. And Dana Holgerson used to be an area, you know, Houston's going into the big 12 mm-hmm. Dana Holgerson. If you haven't updated your Dana Holgerson opinions, remember when he was an air raid guy, they kicked him out of the club. He likes to run it. Oh yeah. Get tight ends out there. He's completely changed. And, um, yeah, with conferences, you do have to update, you know, because different coaches come in with different philosophies. And I do think there's some good young coaches in the Big 12 as well. And I think those 
those types of coaches are going to be able to sell some of these portal players on, hey, come on over here. You'll get a better opportunity. You'll start quickly. Yep. You know, we, we've got teams like Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor. Who knows who's going to win in this conference? Texas and uh, Oklahoma are going to be leaving soon. So, you know, you'll have a chance to win at a high level, get drafted high. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the Big 12, I thought they were going to be a dead conference, honestly. Beginning of this year, I thought, man, Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave. I don't know what's going to happen to the Big 12. No, they, but actually, they, they are I, I feel be the better most, about them. They're going to be the most fun conference in America. When the new teams come, the most interesting, yeah, yeah, Cincinnati, yeah. UCF, BYU, and Houston all have the potential to be good and be good quickly in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and parody, it's be yeah, pretty evenly matched. Yeah, Did you see how much money, by the way, is going yes. to the conference. Yes, two point three billion. I was so I was 12? so wrong. I was so wrong on what their TV deal was going to be. Me too. After Texas, and Oklahoma. I was. I Great. said like I don't know four hundred thousand. I'll give you four hundred. <laughs> Maybe 000. not that much. <laughs> okay. But, Two point three billion, though, and I well, heard this. Dana Holgerson told uh, my radio co-host, "He's like Houston is set to make fifty million when yep. they go in there per year. I mean, just think what that does for all of your college athletics Oof. programs. Yeah, it's, that's it's a big something. deal. And Brett Yormark, the new commissioner, did a fantastic job getting that deal. And listen, I'm hearing the Pac-12 may get something similar because you you may have Amazon jumping in and bidding hmm. there because they. They've decided with the success of, of their NFL broadcast, they do want to get into college football. And the only the only one left is Pac-12. Well, uh, back to the Big 12 real quick. Uh, there were two big – we had zero Big 12 players drafted the first round last year. Uh, I believe Brees Correct. Hall was the first. Um, yep. and he was mid-30s. Uh, this year, I do have two Big 12 players in my top 20 right now – so, you know, and one of them being a Texas offensive player, which no, we haven't got, seen. You've got three. You've got three. Oh, do I? Uh, yeah. Tyler, Quentin Johnston. Bijan Robinson. Oh. Quentin Johnston. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, exactly. But we haven't seen a Texas offensive player drafted first round, I believe, since Vince Young, right? I, yes, I, I think it's been correct. that long. And so Bijan Robinson should, uh, I don't, I, he comes in at number eight. I don't know that he's going to go top 10, just, you know, in terms of value. But uh, I, I think he's – it's an easy – Man, he's special. Easy – oh, he he's so good. I mean, he, it's he's an special. easy thing to say that he belongs in the top 10. It takes a lot players. of collisions, but he already takes a lot of collisions. I mean, to Andy's point earlier, I mean, yeah. he takes a lot of collisions. He He's more than willing to take them. He's got phenomenal contact balance. We'll have a lot of time to talk about B. John Robinson down the road. But, man, he is one His of those receiving. guys that for, for – yeah, absolutely. For four to five – I think he could end up being – now, of course, you know, you got to stay healthy, but I think he could end up being what a lot of people wanted Saquon to be over a five-year run. I think Bijan could end up doing that. And I thought Saquon was very special coming out. And he's starting to show that this year, frankly. Uh, but Bijan's receiving his ability to keep the ball on track. He's not a big bouncer all the time. And he is so hard to bring down. He's so difficult to bring down. That's that's yeah. my favorite thing about a Bijan Robinson run is is when he looks like he is caught for a yeah. one-yard loss, and he turns it into a nine-yard gain. <laughs> they're incredible to watch. There are just there are so many options for him. I mean, he can he can beat you with his elusiveness. He can beat you with his power. He's got vision. He just has so many escapes. Um, now, see, I, I like he's not the type of athlete that Saquon is, but he has you know. There's a lot of things that you point to and say, okay, yeah, that that's going to translate the balance, the vision. Um, it, it, it's I think a lot of the things that we said about Zeke coming out of Ohio State. We'll we'll be saying about Bijan and with with Jamar Gibbs, you know he's 
he is such a fun athlete, but he's 200 pounds. And that that's my hang up with him is, okay, you know, what, maybe he'll be 205, 207 at the combine. Who knows? But uh, I just, I found it hard to do a top 25, top 30 without including Gibson there with the dynamic weapon that he is as a runner and a receiver. It's just, he, he belongs there. Well, especially the way offenses are going now. You you want yeah. your your Travis Etienne, your Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Christian McCaffrey, you're seeing... <laughs> Doing everything for the 49ers yeah. now. So, I mean, that, that that's exactly what you want. So, uh, I can't wait to see this. Uh, I really can't wait to see if Lance is right about the Tennessee-Georgia game. That's, <laughs> that, that is that that is a the, the most recent game of the century, and, and, and it is going to be a blast to watch. Guys, thank you so much, and I cannot wait to reconvene next week, and uh, we will either be celebrating Lance or... <laughs> Hey, it's easy when you got you're picking a team eight. They weren't supposed to win anyway. That's I right. didn't know that. I didn't know there was gonna be this is gonna be so loud in the stadium at two thirty. <laughs> oh, it, it was in Athens. Oh, never mind. Uh, oh, oh, I thought hey. it was neutral field. <laughs> Listen, privet hedges are not a native species. It's an it's actually an invasive species, and and the Vols just can't play with invasive species surrounding him. Guys, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. This was the Athletic Football Show. Hey, baseball fans. This is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, Join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.